0: Welcome to News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, December 2nd. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. With 49 days until inauguration, new questions about whether President Trump will try to pardon close friends and family members on his way out of office, while the FBI reveals it is investigating an alleged bribery scheme regarding presidential pardons. The coronavirus crisis showing no sign of stopping. In the state of Nevada, a person is dying every two hours from COVID-19, while more than 270,000 people have now succumbed to the pandemic in the United States. And the race for a vaccine speeding up the United Kingdom approving the Pfizer vaccine while the CDC unveils official guidelines for who will receive the first doses in this country. This and much more today on U News recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on President Trump and who he might pardon before he leaves office. The beneficiaries of those pardons are reportedly some of his family members, among others. This happening as the Justice Department investigates an alleged bribery for pardon scheme at the White House. Thank you very much. As President Trump's days
1: at the White House grow shorter, some of his associates are reportedly lining up to make appeals. Among the names the president has discussed behind the scenes, the oldest three of his five children, Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka, as well as his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Also on the list, Rudy Giuliani, a claim the Trump attorney denies. According to multiple sources, the president's allies see pardons as an insurance policy against potential investigations by the incoming Biden administration.
2: Everybody agrees that you can't pardon someone ahead of the time that they actually commit a crime
1: this as the department of justice is investigating whether there was a scheme to funnel money to the white house or a political committee in exchange for a presidential pardon the potential crime disclosed in heavily redacted court documents unsealed in federal court tuesday according to the justice department no u.s government officials are currently the target of the probe on Twitter, President Trump calling the pardon investigation fake news. All this unfolding as the president continues efforts to reverse his election loss. Attorney General William Barr telling the Associated Press, quote, to date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. And after the Trump team's false allegations that voting machines could be altered to change election results, Barr saying investigations by the Justice Department and Department of Homeland Security have not found anything to support that. Still, Trump's attorney is pushing back against Barr's comments, saying they have ample evidence of illegal voting. Some Democrats are now weighing in.
2: In response to Attorney General Bill Barr, I guess he's the next one to be fired. Since he now too says there's no fraud, Trump seems to fire anyone in that regard.
1: Just recently, the Attorney General appointed John Durham as special counsel for a probe into Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. Durham is looking into alleged violations of the law by the FBI. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News.
0: Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And joining me now to talk about presidential pardons is Barbara Perry. She's the director of presidential studies at the University of Virginia's Miller Center. Thanks for being here, Barbara. Let's start with this. What can a president pardon people for?
3: According to the Constitution, uh, for anything, uh, except I think uh, Lawrence Tribe, who is the number one constitutional law scholar in the country in your previous piece, just said that uh, except for things that are, Uh, to be done. So any crime that could be committed in the future, uh, but also impeachments. So the Constitution is clear. Presidents have the right of full pardon uh, over anyone, uh, except it doesn't say that they can pardon themselves. So I think it's very broad, but no precedent for a president pardoning himself.
0: It's pretty incredible. Can the president issue pardons preemptively? Are any of his children or his attorney, uh, Rudy Giuliani, facing any charges?
3: Uh, They they could, uh, for example, in the case of Richard Nixon. uh, Gerald Ford, who had become president when Richard Nixon resigned because of his role in the Watergate cover-up and was facing impeachment and certain conviction and removal from office uh, after Nixon left and Ford, the vice president, was installed as president. uh, He then issued a full pardon Uh, for any charges that might be brought against the president for anything that he might have committed uh, while president. But again, these sort of future full pardons against anything a person might do for the rest of his or her life, I think, is not contemplated in the Constitution or by the founders. But certainly family members can be pardoned. Uh, Bill Clinton pardoned uh, his uh, half-brother, Roger Clinton, uh, because he had been convicted of a a drug offense. Uh, So that was something in the past, but the president... Uh, did pardon a family member for that.
0: And Barbara, the Trump administration is under investigation in Man- Manhattan District Court. Could a pardon protect Trump's children against state prosecution?
3: It cannot. Uh, that is another uh, element and limitation on the pardon power in the Constitution because of our uh, system of different levels of government Uh, The federal constitution's power given to the president, granted to the president to pardon only applies to federal offenses, not to any kind of state litigation. So either from the state attorney general in New York or the Manhattan District Attorney in New York City.
0: And the Department of Justice is investigating a possible scheme to funnel money to the White House in exchange for a pardon. Have you seen a case like this before?
3: Uh, Not in my recent memory. Um, There were some issues about another pardon of Bill Clinton uh, that he issued as he was leaving office for a financier named Mark Rich. Uh, who was a, certainly a donor, a very wealthy donor to the Democratic Party. Uh, he also was uh, being charged with tax evasion and he had left the country. So he was being uh, viewed as a fugitive from justice by the federal government. And so that was very controversial. So one might see a little bit of a connection there, but I don't think people were uh, accusing Bill Clinton directly of having taken a bribe for uh, having issued this pardon. So I think I would draw the distinction there, but there was a a lot of controversy about that pardon at the last minute as bill clinton was leaving office
0: this is all very interesting thank you so much barbara perry of the university of virginia's miller center the US death toll due to COVID-19 now close to 271,000 states like Wisconsin and Maryland recently reporting their youngest victims. But despite warnings, people across the country continue to gather. Here's the very latest. The coronavirus death toll in the US steadily rising each day. On Tuesday, another 2,597 people losing the battle, the second deadliest day since the pandemic began. The virus claiming the life of Isai Morocho in Wisconsin during the Thanksgiving holiday, the 16-year-old becoming the first teenager to die in the state. In Maryland, the governor holding back tears as he announced the death of a baby.
2: Sadly, Uh, We have lost. Our youngest victim, a one year old boy, to this deadly
0: virus. In Nevada, the virus is killing one person every two hours. And as hospitalizations rise exponentially in almost the entire country, in California, the governor says ICUs in Los Angeles will be operating at 112 percent capacity by Christmas Eve.
4: If these trends continue, we're going to have to take much more dramatic, arguably drastic action
0: but pleads from experts and officials are not convincing many to avoid gatherings. In Massachusetts, officials identifying 36 clusters associated with religious gatherings, one that led to 200 positive cases.
5: But what's more concerning is that those 200 individuals went off into their own daily routines where they were likely exposed to numerous contacts in different settings.
0: In Chicago, where indoor drinking and eating is prohibited, authorities shut down a 300-person party, photos showing no masks and no social distancing. Meanwhile, the CDC is expected to reduce COVID-19 quarantine recommendations from 14 days to seven to 10 days after exposure. Officials describing the decision as data-driven, saying it has been under review for weeks and people usually become infected within a week. When the 14 day uh, was uh, quarantine was set up, it was very early into the pandemic when we had less information. And on the vaccine front, the U.K. has become the first country to allow the use of Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine after it was granted temporary authorization for emergency use. Here in the U.S., that approval could still take a few weeks, and officials say most Americans would have access to it by June. And we already know who will be the first to receive the coronavirus vaccines in the United States. Government experts recommending the priority be healthcare workers to keep hospitals and clinics running, along with residents of nursing homes and other senior centers. Both groups total about 23 million people. In the next few days, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines will be approved to begin the immunization campaign. Here's Jorge Hernandez.
2: A formal vote this Tuesday confirmed recommendations from the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on the distribution of vaccines for COVID-19. In the first group will be health professionals who work in hospitals, hospitals, clinics and nursing homes. Although states will decide how to administer the vaccines, these guidelines help them plan. Local governments usually follow CDC guidelines. Hospitals like Memorial Hospital in Hollywood City, Florida, have been organizing themselves internally. Initially, those who have permanent contact with patients who have COVID-19, employees who are in the intensive care unit, respiratory therapy employees, nurses. Meanwhile, Pfizer is moving forward with the vaccine distribution process at full speed. Vaccines are being being brought from their labs in Europe to the United States, and they're being stored in special refrigerators because this specific vaccine needs to be kept in temperature well below zero degrees. On December 10th, the FDA will meet to consider approving Pfizer's vaccine, and on December 17th, there will be the same with Moderna's vaccine. The head of that agency, Stephen Henn, was summoned to the White House today, where an increasingly frustrated President Trump has been complaining that vaccine approval has been delayed too long. But hen has been clear. We are balancing
3: the public health emergency we're facing and the fact that people are getting sick with COVID with the need to get this right.
2: As much of the population remains fearful, Dr. Huerta, who in addition to being a public health expert, is a volunteer for the Moderna vaccine trials, says that the vaccines that will be approved will be safe. El the short time he has taken to make this vaccine has been made on the basis of what was already available from the preclinical stage, not from the clinical stage of testing in humans that has followed all the scientific protocols. Reported by Lourdes del Rio, this is Jorge Hernandez, Unius.
0: And meanwhile in New York frontline workers and first responders are bracing for a surge of infections. And as Blanca Rosa Vilches explains, it's a case of deja vu for a region that was hard hit nearly one year ago.
6: Life took an interesting turn for an 80 year old man and his 50-year-old nurse. Both of them got COVID-19 in April. Jorge Montenegro spent a whole month in intensive care because of the virus. We need health care workers, and we have to scream to get them, he says. The nurses agree. But in this hospital in New Rochelle, New York, 200 nurses complained that they have been working without a contract for two years. A bunch of suits who never came out of their office during COVID? Or do you believe us who were there day and night, who prayed with our patients, who took care of our patients Mm -hmm. day and night? New York governors, on the other hand, is worried about staff shortage in hospitals.
5: Every hospital has to identify retired nurses and doctors now. We're already experiencing staff shortages.
6: Marie Quispe is a nurse, and she's willing to help. We took an oath to assist people, and I am willing to go back and help, she says. According to the mayor and the governor, there are going to be more cases in the coming weeks. That's why the population has to be ready and be able also to help. In New York, Blanca Rosa Vilches, you
1: News. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you.
0: The effects of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. Both
1: parties are
5: very far apart.
0: Approximately 250,000 people have lost their lives. You
1: News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You News on Fusion.
0: Welcome back to U News. President-elect Joe Biden is urging Congress to pass a stimulus bill as soon as possible to help millions of Americans struggling during the pandemic. Relief measures put in place earlier in the year, like a moratorium on evictions and a federal student loan payment freeze, are set to expire within weeks. Edwin PT has the details from Washington, D.C. Edwin.
5: Hi, Lorraine, that's right. The pressure is building on Capitol Hill for Congress to pass a fifth coronavirus relief bill, even as there isn't a clear path to a possible agreement. And time is what they do not have right now. Lawmakers are about to leave until January. And for that reason, members of the House and the Senate are bringing offers to the table in hopes to break the many months of failed negotiations. The lack of agreement to pass billions of dollars for assistance continues as coronavirus cases are climbing across the country. Many states and cities are reimposing restrictions and many of the aid programs for working families are running out of money. Because of the frustration not only among members of Congress, but also between public health experts, a bipartisan group introduced a $908 billion framework as a way to restart the negotiations. According to the framework, they would provide another $160 billion fund for states and cities, $180 billion for unemployment, and $288 billion for small businesses. This is what the Senate Majority Leader had to say. Take a listen.
0: Subject of additional coronavirus relief is on the minds of lots of our members. Uh, you've already spoken to uh, probably Senator Collins, Senator Romney and others who've been meeting with Democrats about a possible way forward. Uh, we received a proposal uh, through a letter from uh, Speaker Pelosi and Senator Schumer last night
5: now, McConnell is circulating among Republicans his own proposal, which members of the GOP describe as copying the substance of a roughly $500 billion bill that was twice blocked by Democrats. Of course, that is causing the Democratic Party to undermine the willingness of Republicans to pass the needed aid for millions of families across the country. This is what Schumer said.
2: I just heard Leader McConnell say he's going to put another partisan proposal on the floor. He's going to talk to McCarthy and Trump and put something on the floor. The obvious fact of the matter is the biggest impediment to getting an agreement is the Republican leader refusing to negotiate in a bipartisan way.
5: Lorraine, the reality is that the division on Capitol Hill continues. Schumer and the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, sent a proposal to Mitch McConnell, but they declined to offer details. Meanwhile, the president-elect Joe Biden is urging Congress to pass a coronavirus aid package that has been stalled for months. He even promised more action to help the economy after he becomes president, but made clear that a stimulus bill is approved. If that happens before he gets to the White House, it would be even easier to help millions of Americans in need. Reporting live in Washington, D.C., Lorraine, back to you.
0: Thank you, Edwin, for that report. And meanwhile, in Georgia, it's now official. Kwanzaa Hall has won the runoff election for the House seat for the late John Lewis. Hall, a former Atlanta City Council member, beat former Morehouse College president Robert Franklin, 50% to 46%. Neither Hall nor Franklin collected a majority, which led to Tuesday contest. Although Hall won the election, he will only serve for several weeks, planning to hand over responsibilities to representative elect Nakima Williams, who won the two-year term for that same seat last month. Lewis represented the 5th congressional district for over 30 years. And in Washington, a vital national defense spending bill is facing a possible veto from President Trump. The National Defense Authorization Act is currently being constructed by Congress. It's a bipartisan bill that focuses on the country's defense policy. The president says he has issues with a provision that could act as a legal shield for tech companies handling user content. According to a Tuesday night tweet, Trump called that provision Section 230, quote, very dangerous and unfair. And now to immigration news, a federal judge handing another setback to the Trump administration in efforts to indefinitely detain migrants here in the U.S. Pedro Rojas brings us the details.
4: In this federal court in New York, District Judge Allison Nathan dealt a strong blow to the indefinite detention practices carried out by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement's eyes. The judge ruled that any immigrant arrested in the state of New York must be presented in front of a judge within 10 days. Otherwise, they have to be released from custody. T- Activists are celebrating the people, decision. And I
6: think that this is a really good decision. We hope that this is going to be the trend for now on. This is eliminating for private detention centers who make a lot of money on people being detained for such a long period of time.
4: The judge's order was in response to a lawsuit filed in November of 2018. The plaintiffs argue that every year ICE arrests nearly 2,000 people in New York, and many are held for weeks or even months prior to having a court hearing. In her ruling, Judge Nathan said, class members may not have a fundamental right to be released during removal proceedings, but nor does the government have an unfettered right to detain them. In Texas, we spoke to the wife of an immigrant who has been held for almost a year without a court hearing. It is something really traumatic for someone like me as a wife, because as I told you, he is my husband. His situation hurts and it has affected my family a lot," wow. the wife says. I told U News that currently is reviewing the judge's order. Immigration attorneys consider the New York judge's decision as a gateway for activists in other states to pursue similar decisions from federal judges in their respective jurisdictions. People take uh, this case and implement it in their region, in their area, uh, institute a lawsuit, um, fight the government on this, and see what a federal court Uh, Decides. Civil rights groups have argued that people detained by ICE for long periods of time are exposed to higher risk of contracting COVID 19 and possibly losing their lives. Official numbers from ICE indicate that so far over 7,500 inmates have tested positive for COVID 19. 347 remain as active cases and eight have lost their lives as a consequence of the pandemic. In McAllen, Texas, Pedro Rojas. You News.
0: And the Border Patrol reached a legal settlement with two women who sued the agency because one of its agents stopped them for speaking Spanish. The incidents happened in 2018 while the women were shopping in a store in Montana. Here's Azul Alvarez with the details.
7: People are outraged after two friends, Ana Suda and Marta Hernandez, spoke out about getting arrested by a US border agent for speaking Spanish in a gas station store in a small town in Montana on the border with Canada. Can you tell us in the video, please, why you ask us for our IDs, please?
2: Ma'am, the reason I asked you for your ID is because I came in here and I saw that you guys are speaking Spanish, which is very unheard of about you guys.
7: Their lawyers claim that since then, the lives of the two Latino U.S. citizens have been a nightmare. The ACLU sued U.S. Customs and Border Protection for illegally detaining them since speaking Spanish is not a crime. This incident made life very difficult for them in a town they loved. It's a small community and that was publicly humiliating. At the time, Anna said that the harassment they suffered in that small Montana community was unbearable. I have been shouted at many times. We were in a place and a woman started yelling at me, a girlfriend of a border patrol agent, that I was an illegal who had to leave. The ACLU reached an agreement with a government agency so that both women would receive an undisclosed amount of money in exchange for dropping the lawsuit. We reached an agreement with the U.S. government that gives money to our clients for what happened to them. The video of the arrest recorded by friends was key to the agreement. You don't have the right to stop me just because I speak Spanish, and you know that. Reported by Bill Matarazona, this is... Azul Álvarez, U News.
0: spacecraft that landed on the moon's surface on Tuesday in a historic mission has begun to retrieve lunar surface samples. Video showed the spacecraft drilling the moon's surface and collecting dirt and other items. China launched its probe on November 24th. The unmanned mission, named after the mythical Chinese goddess of the moon, aimed to collect lunar material to help scientists learn more about the moon's origins. If the mission is completed as planned, it would take make China the third nation to have retrieved lunar samples after the United States and the Soviet Union. And back here on Earth, Puerto Rican officials say a collapse has dealt the final blow to one of the most powerful telescopes on this planet. The telescope platform at the Arecibo Observatory fell overnight Tuesday. Engineers say all three support towers broke off causing the platform to plummet. The 305-meter telescope has been used for astronomical discoveries for 57 years. Weeks earlier, the National Science Foundation announced it was decommissioning the telescope after it sustained major damage earlier this year. They plan to use a controlled demolition to disassemble the instrument. And across Central America, drought, coronavirus and storms have spread hunger to millions. Guatemala's president Alejandro Yamate, overwhelmed by the scale of the damage, urged Washington in November to exempt Guatemalans arriving in the United States from deportation. The droughts were a contributing factor to the mass migrations north in the past few years. And as Iota bore down on the region, Yamate reminded wealthy nations that if they do not step up to help Central America's economy, recover from the storms, they would face, quote, hordes of new migrants. And in Mexico, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador defended his strategy against violence and insecurity in the country during his State of the Nation address on Tuesday. Obrador took office two years ago, pleading to reduce record levels of gang-fueled violence, but the bloodshed has only increased. Obrador also said the country had not been overwhelmed by the coronavirus pandemic, but at least seven of Mexico City's 54 public hospitals treating COVID-19 patients are at full capacity for coronavirus beds with respirators. And in Argentina, investigators probing the death of Diego Maradona raided the home of his psychiatrist on Tuesday. It's the latest twist in the soccer legend's death last week. So far, police have already seized files from his personal doctor as well. Prosecutors are investigating possible malpractice and whether or not necessary medical requirements for care were met. Maradona, who fought long battles with addiction, died of a heart attack at the age of 60 last week after undergoing brain surgery earlier in November for a blood clot. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.